Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. And I'm Rebecca Gifford. I'm Larry's partner in Parkinson's and in life. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's. I am so glad we are airing this episode. We are going to be talking about something that critically affects the Parkinson's community and also potentially affects all of us. Home might be where the heart is, but it's also where the most toxic chemicals can be found in objects that you're using every single day. These chemicals are now in our furniture, cars, electronics, children's products, even in our food. We got a war on our hands, people. We're getting killed in the press. States are banning us. Consumers want us out of their bodies. And if these toxic chemical reforms get passed, we're history. Now, who's got ideas? Trichloroethylene. Oh, I know. We can put the word green on all our products. <laughs> Baby, these chemicals are going to keep rolling on. So today's episode is titled, Is TCE an Invisible Cause of Parkinson's? TCE, trichloroethylene. It was first brought to the public's attention in the 1998 Touchstone Pictures film, A Civil Action, starring John Travolta. Please answer the question I asked, not one I didn't. Silicone, Mr. Riley, and trichloroethylene. These two chemicals mixed together are used to waterproof leather, are they not? Let the record show that the witness has emptied a glass of water on my conference table. What exactly do you intend to say to me, Mr. Riley, by pouring a glass of water on my table? This is how silicone is put on leather to waterproof it. I'm answering your question. It's poured on like... You poured water on my table. Yeah, correct. So then some of it must spill off the leather, like the water spilling off my table and onto my rug. That's the part I'm interested in. The spilled silicone and trichloroethylene, sir. How you disposed of that? I never once used TCE. TCE? Did I say TCE? I didn't say TCE. I said trichloroethylene. You said TCE. As it is commonly known to those who know it. This was one of the first high profile suits involving pollution by a major corporation, and it demonstrated the difficulty of proving a direct connection between cancer and specific chemicals. 37 years later, we're still trying to link trichloroethylene to illness. Dr. Ray Dorsey at the University of Rochester is a leading expert in Parkinson's and co-author of the book, Ending Parkinson's Disease. His latest article in the Journal of Parkinson's Disease asks the question, is trichloroethylene an invisible cause of Parkinson's? Larry, you had a chance to sit down with Dr. Dorsey. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Larry, 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 how are you? Ray, how are you doing, man? Good. To begin, I asked Ray where we may have encountered TCE in our daily lives. It was in uh, typewriter correction fluid. It was in your cup of Senka. It was in carpet cleaners, gun cleaners. Um, it's been used by painters, embalmers, anesthetists, uh, mechanics, metal workers, um, just about uh, everyone, uh, everything, every. Job. 10 million Americans uh, worked with in the 1970s. In the United Kingdom, one in 12 uh, individuals uh, worked with it. 
And beyond the millions, tens of millions who've worked with it, I think an order of magnitude greater have likely been exposed to it through the water we drink. It contaminates up to 30% of the groundwater of the United States. And then the thing that we really highlight in the paper, hopefully, is this concept of vapor intrusion, TCE, and its closely related dry cleaning chemical perchloroethylene are readily evaporate, hence their use in dry cleaning, um, no water. And um, they can, when they get into the groundwater and soil, uh, they can evaporate, just like, you know, radon evaporates from the soil and can come into your home and cause lung cancer. TCE and PC, trichloroethylene, perchloroethylene can evaporate from the groundwater and soil into your home, your school, your kids' schools, and your workplaces, and you never know about it. And for years, you breathe it in, and uh, years later, you're uh, possibly developing Parkinson's disease. Where, where did this come from, trichloroethylene? Um, so uh, this is it. Uh, this is trichloroethylene. It's really simple molecule. Describe got, what I'm looking at. It's uh, it's got this is a, a, a chemical structure of six atoms. So just to give you a flavor for those who don't like chemistry. Water H2O has three atoms. Trichloroethylene has six atoms. It's got two uh, carbon atoms here in black for those who can see it. One hydrogen atom in white, and then three chlorine atoms in green. Hence its name, trichloroethylene. Uh, perchloroethylene, the other chemical that uh, we wrote about, is just additional chlorine atom. It's got four chlorine atoms. The chemical in East Palestine, Ohio, that train accident, is vinyl chloride. It just has one uh, chlorine atom and three hydrogen atoms. So they're all very similar. Uh, trichloroethylene, or TCE, was first uh, synthesized in 1864 and been, as you alluded to, been used uh, commercial production since the 1920s. Uh, so this is a known carcinogen. It causes cancer, just like vinyl chloride is a known carcinogen. It causes cancer. Perchloroethylene is a probable uh, carcinogen. There were several government agencies uh, globally that came out with a big statement earlier this year, 2023, about trichloroethylene. What, what was that? Yeah, so uh, the EPA, um, the United States Environmental Protection Agency, uh, said that uh, trichloroethylene poses an unreasonable risk to human health. TCE poses an unreasonable risk to human health. And in December of last year, they reached that exact same conclusion for perchloroethylene. The hope, um, not yet realized, is that this will lead to stricter regulatory action and hopefully a ban on this century-old chemical that has uh, caused cancer for generations. Now, how widely is it used? Um, so use in the United States it peaked in the 1970s, so 600 million pounds per year. That's two pounds for you, Larry, and two pounds for me. Um, and uh, use in the United States has decreased uh, since that time as some as health risks have become aware. But global use uh, is increasing two to three percent per year. And uh, China accounts for half of uh, about half of uh, consumption. And China, by the way, has the fastest increasing rates of Parkinson's disease. When, when we're using it as a cleaner, and what how, what is what does it come in? Um, so it normally, like in industry uses, you know, you're talking to a neurologist. So in industry uses, it comes in 55 gallon drums, so those big steel cans uh, that you see. And so the first major study of it was in about 2010. Dr. Don Gash and his colleagues at Kentucky described three workers in a uh, metal gauge plant. Uh, two guys' job was to take metal gauges that were greasy, put it into the uh, drum of trichloroethylene, and take it out. Those two guys developed Parkinson's disease. The woman that they gave the 
Gage's two who dried it off developed Parkinson's disease as well. So the three people sitting right next to the drum developed Parkinson's. Uh, there were 27 other people on the factory floor, and uh, about 13 of them uh, developed signs and symptoms of Parkinson's disease, and the other half uh, had slowed uh, finger tapping when they came into clinic. So that's how you get exposed in the work environment. Now, they didn't have any personal protective equipment or no significant personal protective equipment. Uh, and other people who've worked with it that I've talked to have also had very limited protection. But that the environmental exposures are often involuntary, so they have no idea what they're being exposed to, right? And so you can either drink it, like at Camp Lejeune, the Marine base in North Carolina, where a million Marines, their family members, and civilians were exposed to levels of TC at up to 3,000 times levels that are safe from the 1950s to the 1980s, and the Marines knew about it and covered it up. Uh, or you can uh, be sitting on top of, like, say, a former dry cleaning site, because uh, TC and, and PC are widely used in dry cleaning, and the TC and PC readily evaporate, and they can come into your uh, home. So in New York City, I'll give you an example. New York City, you know, there are high rises. People live in apartment buildings. Uh, on the ground floor of apartment buildings are dry cleaners, pretty convenient place to get dry cleaning. When they look at the indoor air of apartments above those dry cleaners, they find perchloroethylene in the indoor air at levels that are unsafe. And because PCE dissolves in fat, TC dissolves in your fat, brain is fatty, they find PCE perchloroethylene in the butter, the cheese, and the margarine in the refrigerator of those homes. Man. And they, it's not necessarily even the homes right above it. It can be homes some distance away that they find this. So um, that's how you could be exposed. And like these people, you, you, no idea. I, I live, my wife, my family, my youngest son and I wait, lived in an apartment building in Philadelphia that had a dry cleaner on the ground floor. And so I naturally got a little, after I did the research, I, I called them. Uh, fortunately, as it appears, they told me that theirs was just a storefront. So they didn't do actually the dry cleaning there. They just collected the clothes and sent it off site for dry cleaning. But, you know, here, Ray Dorsey, you know, the future neurologist is getting, you know, living in an apartment building that could have been. Uh, they've been doing dry cleaning, uh, been exposed to uh, PCE in the indoor air in our apartment. Well, our what about Larry Gifford? And so let's just talk about you, Larry, because you've alluded to the fact. So I've always asked, I, now I ask everyone with Parkinson's disease that I'm friendly with, uh, why do you have Parkinson's? Do you want to tell us about why you think you have Parkinson's? I grew up in Ohio, central Ohio. You, you showed me the map and there is a super fun site in my in my area uh, where I grew up. And uh, also I lived in Dayton, Ohio, where there's a lot of there's a lot of super fun sites around there as well. And an old refrigerator, uh, you know, uh, sh shops and, and car manufacturing and GM auto plants and parts plants. And they're you know, either, uh, well, they're shuttered now, but they're just, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they're just ripe with all sorts of chemicals left over. Yes. And so, so how do these chemicals get, they, how they get there? Some people think, you know, you have to live near the dry, but I don't live near the dry cleaner. I don't live near the metal fabrication plant. I don't live near the Air Force Base that's contaminated with TCE. The TCE goes into the groundwater and the groundwater has underground rivers or streams. So it can migrate a mile or more. And you think you are safe, but, you know, residents, homes, schools, workplaces are located right on top of what are now these underground plumes and the TC evaporates uh, into their home. And uh, as I recall, we looked at a couple places that identified near there, um, that'd be the concern. In our paper that you alluded to at the outset, we write the case stories of seven individuals. Um, I think four of them uh, got exposed through the environment, including one future physician 
who lived in, in two different houses that were less than a mile away from uh, contaminated sites with TCE and went to high school immediately next door to her computer chip manufacturer um, that uh, was known to be contained with TCE and PCE. And they found that the water for the school after they put in a water uh, remediation system was still contaminated with TCE. So you can only imagine what was going on, what they, those kids were drinking before they put the remediation system in and what they might have been breathing in, in, in the schools. So, so, Ray, how do you find out if you live near a Superfund site? It's hard. Um, I'll tell you what I do is I Google. I Google whatever the location is and try trichloroethylene. So uh, I said to myself one day, where's the last place in the world that you would find trichloroethylene? And I said, Newport Beach, California, where I went to high school. That's got to be pristine, you know, the ocean uh, views. It's got to be the cleanest thing in the world. So I, I Googled uh, Newport Beach, uh, California, trichloroethylene. And little <laughs> to my surprise, my stun, uh, there was a former aerospace facility less than a half mile from where I went to high school uh, that was contaminated with TCE and PCE. Uh, they rezoned it. For, they took down the aerospace facility. There are now 500 homes on about two acres of land there, and they've tested those about 400 of those homes. They found elevated levels in TCE and PCE in at least uh, 100 of them, and they think that uh, that's due from to the plume for at least a couple dozen of, of, of them. So there are homes, multi-million dollar homes with their residents who are breathing in TCE and PC as we discussed, uh, as we talked today in their living rooms, in their master bedrooms and their kids' playrooms. That's so scary. How, how do you, what, what do you do? What, what can we do? Um, so we can do a ton. Uh, so the, the silver lining, there's a huge silver lining to all this is we're saying making the argument needs to be proven, more research needs to be done. That TC may be a, an extremely important cause of Parkinson's disease. You know, I'm a little on the crazy side. I think it might even be the most important cause of Parkinson's disease in urban environments, at least in the United States, is we can certainly ban it. Um, Eastern uh, European Union countries banned it, I think, in 2016. Um, Minnesota and New York State, uh, where I live, uh, have banned it. Um, companies advertise safer alternatives. Uh, few of us would fly in airplanes from the time of the Will, the Wright brothers, and few of us was driving cars from uh, Henry Ford's era. Uh, we don't need to be using chemicals from uh, the 1920s. We can get safer alternatives. Uh, second, we need to uh, contain uh, contaminated sites, and we need to protect the people who are living near them. Most people don't even know that they live it. Uh, I live in you know in suburban Rochester, a nice little house, you know, it's snowing outside. And in five to 10 minutes where I live are three contaminated dry cleaning sites with TC and PC identified by the state. And I don't think any of the homes know that, a few of the homes living near there know that some of them are sitting on top of a plume. There are high schools about a half mile away from these three dry cleaning sites. And I don't think they know. We need to make sure there's mandatory notification. Uh, and when you drive by a Superfund site, it should be marked as a Superfund site so people uh, can know. And then we need to test the indoor air of lots of homes, just like, you know, you and I have uh, had our homes tested for radon, which evaporates yeah. from the soil and causes lung cancer. Why can't we test homes for TCE? We did it's relatively straightforward to do uh, in mandatory testing when you buy and sell your home for TCE. And if you find you have TCEs, you can put a remediation system in just like you do for radon. It, it costs a couple thousand dollars. You know, it's not pennies, but it's not it's way less expensive than having leukemia. Um, and uh, we could prevent people from ever getting cancers, miscarriages, congenital heart disease, Parkinson's disease, and wide range of other conditions that are associated with uh, TCE. So with this paper, what are you hoping to 
to achieve. I'm hoping to get onto the uh, Larry Gisford's podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you need to dream bigger. Uh, we got to dream bigger. I, I think we can ban it. Listen, the uh, EPA Administrator Michael Regan uh, came out with this finding in, in January uh, 2023. Uh, TCE contaminates Delaware, uh, President Biden's uh, home state. There are contaminated sites uh, there. Why can't we ban this chemical? Why can't we create a world where childhood leukemia is extremely rare? Why can't we get rid of multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, brain cancers, um, liver cancers, kidney cancers? Um, why can't we uh, decrease the number of people who will ever develop Parkinson's disease? Why can't we create a future generation where Parkinson's disease is increasingly rare, not increasingly common? Did I just hear him say that non-Hodgkin's lymphoma may be connected to exposure to these chemicals? Yes, he did. So we know you were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when you were 22 years old. And after some online sleuthing, honey, I can confirm that you grew up surrounded by TCE-laden Superfund sites between 6 and 10 miles away from your childhood home. And there is a Dayton plume. So this is referring to Dayton, Ohio, where I grew up. There was a lot of manufacturing, GM plants, um, NCR was there, so early computers and cash registers and, and all of that. Um, there's an Air Force base, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, one of the major Air Force bases in the country, is there, and they make a lot of the airplanes there. Oh, that's a, that, that whole <laughs> Air Force base is a super fun site. Yeah, so I guess it doesn't surprise me that there are some super fun sites. It also doesn't surprise me because I know and I'm related to a lot of people who grew up in the area who have health issues, chronic health issues, and it follows. It tracks. I was living there for five years, and I looked up my addresses, just Googled them, and added Superfund site to see what would come up. And for most of the five years that I was in Dayton, regardless of the address I was at, I was within a one-mile radius of a Superfund site that had TCE. So that is, um, it's, oh, it's difficult to see. Because it, it is, it's this invisible thing that we are, maybe we're drinking it, maybe we're breathing it, maybe it's in our homes. We don't know. And not by choice. Not by choice. Dr. Ray Dorsey wanted to note that the big bad corporations aren't the only way to be exposed to TCE. Sometimes we unwittingly invite it into our homes. Consumers uh, used to use it. Lots of you are consuming products. So think like, especially in the 1970s, degreasing, you know, those cans that, you know, spray and all of a sudden the, the grease melts away. Uh, that was TCE. Now it's like a great industrial solvent. So people have been exposed to it. I told you typewriter correction fluid. I told you uh, thank up because that that's known. And I use that. Coffee. I use the degreasers. I, I mean, um, like, yes. think about all the TCE in my lifetime that I, it was so convenient that it's. Yes, but most of the two uses that are in the, uh, permitted in the, in the United States today are vapor degreasing. Uh, it heated up and it degreases anything. You think of metal. If you want to paint metal, the first thing you do. With, well, I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic, but so you have to get rid of grease uh, metal before you paint it. Otherwise, the the paint uh, doesn't stick. And then um, spot dry cleaning. Those are the two things. But use is uh, really high. It's worth knowing. Let's do a quick little economics review. Uh, Paraquat, according to The Guardian, is about $400 million in global sales. $400 million. Medicare, the United States uh, for uh, seniors, uh, pays $25 billion a year uh, for health care for people with Parkinson's disease. 
So if you just said Paraquat was responsible for 2% of cases of Parkinson's disease in the United States, that's $500 million. So Medicare pays more to care for people with Parkinson's disease than a company makes in its global revenue, not profits, revenue. Uh, I looked, at, I, again, looking online, and I'm a neurologist, not a, a, an economist. Um, and trichloroethylene, the global market is estimated like something like $600 million. Oh. And, and, you know, we're subsidizing this with lots of human suffering like you, and uh, we're suffering it um, as taxpayers. Uh, I think these subsidies need to end. Uh, and I think that's a, one place that we can start. I want to go back to the plume, the plumes of this um, I guess it's not a gas. What, what, what do we call it? It's a... I, I call it like an underground river. And these plumes are huge. So there's one in Long Island from uh, an aerospace uh, manufacturer. You can just Google uh, Long Island uh, trichloroethylene uh, Newsday did a great report. And it's four by two miles. Oh, my gosh. Four by two miles. And so you're and it's just top. sort of like a, like a cloud under the ground, yeah, like a cloud, like an underground cloud of TCE and PCE that's evaporating and homes, schools and workplaces have like negative pressure. So there's a gas, right? It needs to come up to the surface, right? So it's less dense than the liquid and the homes have negative pressure relative to the atmosphere around it. So they suck it in. And you can think like an elevator almost acts like a syringe and draws in the chemicals and it comes in through cracks in the foundations or sewer lines or utility lines or whatever have you and it gets in just like radon does and you breathe it and you don't know so it's like you know like people how can you prove it well how it's really hard to prove you know cigarettes was hard enough to prove that cigarettes cause smoking right or cigarettes cause even, cancer yeah but how are you going to prove when you don't even know that you're smoking you don't even know you're inhaling this chemical you have no idea and then you develop parkinson's disease 30 years later just like you, I mean, you didn't like know, but you didn't know about TCE. I mean, you well, didn't, no, I didn't know no. about TCE or Paraquat or any of that stuff. I just, you, you, you just assume that if it's it's being regulated by the government, you trust. So I, I, I said that I've said this before. I, I used to trust that the food I eat, the water I drink, and the air I breathe is safe. I, I, I no longer have that assumption. You, you, that's, so, say that again. I used to think uh, that the food I eat, uh, the water I drink, and, and the air I breathe is safe. Uh, I, I no longer have that assumption. And, you know, I'm a relatively wealthy doctor hanging out in suburban Rochester, you know, and I don't think that. Um, you know, so what about people who have way less resources than I do? Uh, what are they being exposed to? There's a reason that Parkinson's disease is rising, right? There has to be a reason. Right, it's rising faster than the aging of the population. We only we know that eighty five percent of people don't have a family history of the disease. We know that genetic causes at, at most account for fifteen percent of people with the disease. That means eighty five percent of people don't have a family history, don't have a genetic uh, uh, marker or risk factor for the disease. It has to be the environment. We went from six people that Dr. Parkinson described with the condition in eighteen seventeen to six million in two thousand and seventeen. Um, you don't get a million-fold increase um, based on genetics and uh, aging. No. And so is this available globally? Like, is this being used uh, on all continents? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I told you half of the market uh, now is in China. And listen, the areas of the world that are most industrialized, that have had the highest use of pesticides, that have the highest rates of air pollution, have the highest rates of Parkinson's disease, Areas of the world that are historically least industrialized have the lowest rates of Parkinson's disease. Areas on the world going in the most rapid industrialization have the fastest increasing rates of Parkinson's. 
And if you think about it, the health we have today is not a reflection of the environment around us today. It's a reflection of the environment around us, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? You don't smoke a cigarette and develop lung cancer the next day. It's based on, you know, decades of exposure. So the people we see with Parkinson's aren't because they grew up, they live on a farm right now, or some do. It's because they were exposed to pesticides likely when they were younger, perhaps when their brain was less protected. Perhaps they found got exposure to the uh, the pesticides in breast milk. Both certain pesticides and TCE are found in the breast milk of individuals. I, I think we're we're know what the really some of the big risks, environmental risk. I think in likely causes of Parkinson's are certain pesticides, trichloroethylene, perchloroethylene, and outdoor air pollution. When can we take the question mark off your statement? An invisible cause of Parkinson's disease. I, I think it is very likely. Now, I'm ahead. My colleagues would argue with me, and uh, the, the science isn't there. I told you if you do a uh, you search the library of medicine, there are 26 total articles on trichloroethylene and Parkinson's disease. And that's unconscionable, I think. And that's really a flexion, I think, on the research community and, and funders that we're not paying attention to things that we should know about. I mean, Carly Tanner and Sam Goldman uh, at UC San Francisco uh, 10 years ago said that did a twin study and looked at twins who had hobby or work exposure to uh, TCE versus those who didn't. And they had a 500% increased risk of developing Parkinson's. There are very, 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 very few things that are associated with a 500% increased risk of Parkinson's. Quite frankly, I can't think of any. I don't think GBA is, and I'm not even sure if LARC2 mutations are. Maybe LARC2 uh, is, but that's about it. And we've been, we, there are like, 26 total studies. There are probably 26,000 studies or at least 2,600 studies on LARC2. So we need to get uh, researchers excited about this other than you. Yes. Because and funders, you, you, not so much researchers. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get the PD Avengers wrapped up in this and we're going to, we're going to put an end to it, right? Yeah, this is preventable. That's like, if you got one thing, it's like, you know, you know, we wrote our book, Ending Parkinson's Disease. We said there's a pact, P-A-C-T. The first element of that pact is preventing. Listen, we live in a world largely free of polio. You've heard this before, Larry, largely free of polio. We don't have a cure for polio. We prevent polio. We live in a world where HIV is preventable and treatable, right? You know, there are thousands, if not millions of us around the world who don't have HIV because HIV activists made their voices heard. They adopted a motto of silence equals death. And, you know, a simple condom has prevented millions of people from getting HIV. Think about that, a condom. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we don't we live in a world where drinking and driving is socially unacceptable. What a great gift to man, right? The Mothers Against Drunk Driving is that there are likely thousands, likely tens of thousands of us who are living today and, and walking today because of their efforts. And, you know, the beauty of it, they don't even know which one of us it is, right? Mm -hmm. It could be you. It could be me. It could be both of us. What a gift for a future generation. Those are gifts we inherited from previous generations. We should be thinking about what's the gift we're going to give to future generations. And what a beautiful thing it is to say that we're going to give a world where Parkinson's is extraordinarily rare. That would be amazing. That would that would be amazing. It, yeah, it, it was you hear a lot about a cure for Parkinson's and, and you were always saying, well, you know, cures are tough. And then I did my research and we've only ever cured one human disease in the history of man. That's smallpox. Oh yeah. And we did it by preventing it. We don't, if someone That's got smallpox, we can't, we couldn't uh, cure them of smallpox. And, and let me ask you that 
I, you can't, you can't cure a disease if you don't want to know its causes. I can't right. think of a single disease that we can cure where we don't know its cause. And the only one I can think of is like surgery. You know, if you burst your appendix for whatever reason, you can take your appendix out. But right. other than that, you know, we have antibiotics, but we know what the cause, we know the bacteria that's responsible. Therefore we can get the thing. If you don't know the cause of a disease, how in the world are you going to cure it? Right. Impossible. Impossible. And we know in Parkinson's disease, by the time you get Parkinson's disease, 60% of the nerve cells have died off, right? That produce dopamine in the brain. How are you going to replace the function of 60% of your nerve cell? Well, one of the cool things about the human body is it does do self-repair when the situation is correct. Yes. And so what you should do if you have Parkinson's disease and you've lost 60% is protect the remaining 40%. So you should be really cognizant about not getting exposed to pesticides. You should buy organic. You should wash your fruits and vegetables. Buy organic if you can afford it. Wash your fruits and vegetables. You should test your indoor air. You should uh, make sure you don't, uh, if you live near a TCE contaminated site, you should put a water filter on so that you're not exposed to TCE and pesticides in the water. I think we're kind of missing a whole thing about, we always talk about what are the disease modifying therapies for Parkinson's disease. Well, the disease modifying therapies are likely reducing exposure to the things that likely cause you to have Parkinson's in the first place. Right. So uh, we need to uh, put together a, a kit of a, a water filter and a testing kit for your air in your home. You and me, we're going into business. We're going to put all the Parkinson's <laughs> back, into, back into Parkinson's, uh, uh, you know, advocacy and we'll, we'll make it happen. Get people, get people thinking about this. And we just need to make our voices heard. Listen, 1.2 million Americans with uh, Parkinson's disease, 100,000 Canadians with Parkinson's disease. There's been never a march. I mean, look what the HIV activists did against much, 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 much greater odds. I mean, it was socially unacceptable to have HIV, right? It was socially unacceptable to be gay. Um, and they overcame all those barriers and changed the course of the disease, not just for their community, but for all of us. In, but it's those communities that are most directly affected have to make their voices heard. And that's why I'm a big, huge fan of the PD Avengers, founded by, created by people who have the disease, led by people who have the disease, aimed at meeting the needs of the people with the disease. When the PD Avengers make their voices heard as they are, and if people haven't joined the Avengers, they need to join it, pdavengers.com. It's free to do so. Uh, you can change the course of a disease, and we should do that. And if we don't, it'll be on us that we didn't. Exactly. One other thought I had, you were talking about how the, the, the effect of like trichloroethylene is, could be decades down the line after exposure. Yeah. And that's important for us to remember as the numbers of Parkinson's disease increases over time, we're going to double the number of people with Parkinson's by 2040. Well, that's only 17 years away. So those people have already been exposed. The Parkinson's is there. And they're just waiting for it to activate. Yes, but I'll give you some, I'll give you two hopeful notes. Um, one, uh, we know if you stop smoking, uh, your risk of developing lung cancer uh, drop and they drop pretty quickly. Um, so even if you've triggered like, you know, triggered lung cancer, we I don't know I'm this hypothesis, triggered lung cancer or triggered Parkinson's disease, if you stop that exposure, you might let allow your body to repair itself and contain it and prevent it from ever manifesting itself in the first place. We know, for example, that exercise, for example, which releases growth factors, decreases your risk of uh, Parkinson's disease. So even if you've been exposed to these chemicals in the past, I don't think it's a fait accompli. And the experience from smoking would suggest it is not a fait accompli. 
some cases it, it may be, but most cases, you know, you can start lowering your risk. Uh, you can you can improve your oxygenation, decrease the amount of carbon monoxide in your level seconds after you've taken your last cigarette. Maybe the same thing can be true for Parkinson's disease. And I'll give you I get two more actually. Another favorable thing. The only study that I've ever seen, I think the only study that there is that showed a decreasing incidence of uh, Parkinson's is in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And there they had the lowest level of uh, TCE, I think, in the atmosphere and one of the first countries to ban it. They banned a lot of the fat-soluble pesticides that are linked to Parkinson's and levels of the pesticides in people's fat when they did biopsies dropped between 75 and 95 percent over uh, like 16 years. And uh, they had among the cleanest air in all of Europe. And the rates of Parkinson's dropped by like almost like 40 percent over the span of 10 years. And I'll give you the last one to think. Is it uh, everyone knows some little about the March of Dimes uh, to raise money to radiate polio vaccine? That started in 1938 at the, like the March of Dimes. They had a vaccine from polio from from Jonas Salk and then uh, later Albert Sabin. Um, about HIV came onto the scene in, in New York City in about 1981. Uh, ACT UP formed uh, this uh, activist group for HIV soon thereafter. 1996, 97 were protease inhibitors that changed the course of HIV. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, like Magic Johnson, when he was diagnosed, everyone thought he was going to die. Right. You're living because of protease inhibitors, likely. Uh, and so MAD did the same thing. So you can just look, you know, 16 years, right? 16 years of action. We can change the course of uh, Parkinson's disease. We can be talking on, on the podcast in 2040 with uh, Larry when life gives you Parkinson's, when life no longer gives you Parkinson's. Maybe right. you'll change the name of your podcast because we'll be talking about studies that show that the incidence of Parkinson's is decreasing in Canada and the United States. And I think that's eminently, eminently achievable if we act now. Ray, I, we, we, we owe you. Um, thank you for all your work and your dedication to this because it's important stuff. Yeah, and we're just in that, I'll tell you all those examples, the people who changed the course of those diseases, um, it wasn't infectious disease doctors, it wasn't neurologists, it was people who are most directly affected by the disease. That's why when Larry Gifford calls, I answer every single time, uh, <laughs> because it's the, it is the PD Avengers more than any other group, more than any other group that, that stand the chance of changing the course of the trajectory of Parkinson's disease. And all I'm going to do is arm you with anything and anything that you need uh, to change the course of it, because it's people who are most directly affected by the disease are the most effective spokespeople for it. We know that from Michael J. Fox when he testified to Congress, I think 20 plus years ago. We know that with Davis Finney. We know that with Brian Grant, a call to Brian Grant, who is profiled in our paper because he was a three-year-old boy at the Marine base Camp Lejeune when it was contaminated with TCE 30 years later. Brian Grant, a three-year-old boy, because he was there with his father, who was a Marine, develops Parkinson's disease. His father later dies from esophageal cancer uh, tied uh, to Parkinson's disease. So people like you, Brian Grant, Davis Finney, Kathy Amy Lindbergh, Michael J. Fox, are changing the course of uh, Parkinson's disease. And I'm delighted and honored to help in any way. Ray, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, Larry. In 2020, Minnesota became the first state to ban TCE. New York followed suit later that year. It was banned in Europe in 2015. And in 2016, the U.S. federal EPA was set to ban TCE. It even began to phase in restrictions in 2017. And then suddenly in 2018, when a complete ban was on the table, all the proposed bans were abandoned.
So it is difficult to hear about the, how should you call it, reckless exposure to us, our families, our childhood friends, and frankly, so many people still living and working in these super fun sites around the world. But I do have to say it's also somewhat relieving and quite hopeful to hear that connections are being made and causes are becoming more clear. It makes it easier to be aware in our own lives and to manage our own exposure, but it also gives the community a more explicit call to action, as outlined by Dr. Dorsey so expertly during this episode, and also in his book, Ending Parkinson's Disease. These connections and calls to action are some of the main reasons that PD Avengers came into being. It's difficult not to be motivated by Dr. Ray Dorsey and and, and, and Dr. Oaken and Boom, Scherer, and you know, all the other great scientists and researchers out there that are doing the jobs that they're doing to find these things. I mean, I think this paper was co-authored by about 10 other scientists and they're out there doing the work. Like they're in, they're in their testing water and they're in there, they're going town to town trying to find these things. Doing the work passionately and sharing it enthusiastically. It's, it's really, it's quite amazing. I'm, I'm humbled that they're doing that on all of our behalves. And, and, and I'm so appreciative. Grateful. Yeah, so, so grateful. Uh, their passion and enthusiasm and critical information are, are getting the Parkinson's community moving in the right direction. And if you're ready to get involved, we, we do need your voice. Uh, you can sign up for PD Avengers at pdavengers.com. But you can also, right now, you can go to Google and you can put your addresses in from when you were childhood up till now. And you say and Superfund sites or and TCE and see what pops up. The EPA has mapped them all out. And you, you may have to put into Google a couple of different terms and try it a couple of different ways, but that's what I did and found the information I found. And you keep going through and sometimes you get to a dead link and then you got to go find some more information about it, but you just gather these information about these sites and it's, it, it's empowering to know that that happens so that you can take action. Right, then you're armed with information. Right. So you can go see your local leaders and policymakers and see if there are changes that you can make with that awareness in your local area. Right, because there may be one by, by your kid's school. There may be one where, near where you work or near you know, public waters. And so if you can find that out, then, then get a local group together and visit with your politicians and change, change the laws. So in the notes for this episode, we will include a link to the PD Avengers website. It's important to lend your voice. The more voices we have, the more the policymakers and those in power will listen to us. And also links to Dr. Dorsey's paper and some other important resources. We encourage you to educate yourself and pass along all this good information to those you care about. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is a Curious Cast production. Story producer is Dilo Velazquez. Sound designed by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada, where people with Parkinson's are at the center of everything they do. Parkinson Canada funds critical research, provides information and support, increases awareness, and advocates for improved healthcare outcomes for people with Parkinson's across Canada. Learn more at parkinson.ca. 
Thanks also to our promotional partners, the World Parkinson Congress 2023. It's coming up July 4th through 7th in Barcelona, Spain. Go to WPC2023.org. And PD Avengers, a global alliance of people with Parkinson's, their partners and friends united to the cause of ending Parkinson's disease. We need you. Join now at pdavengers.com. Spotlight YOPD, one of the only organizations in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness of young onset Parkinson's disease. Spotlight, yopd.org. We'd really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with somebody. Personal recommendations are the most effective way to grow our audience and to raise awareness of Parkinson's disease. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time.